0: I invited people who were coming to Lawn Chair Church to bring a bag. And from time to time, we're going to do this. We're just going to say, Bring a bag to worship. And then I have them do an activity out of the bag. And this morning, people didn't know what the activity was, but the activity was, Is there anything in your bag that you've ever lost? And we had people pull out all kinds of things. One person, had in their bag a calculator that they've lost. Somebody else loses a cell phone. Another person had their car keys in their bag, and they've lost their car keys. There are lots of things in our life that we've lost over the years. In my bag, I brought a number of things. I brought this, which is my sermon. Believe it or not, from time to time, I have lost my sermon. One time I got right to this point in a worship service and I realized I didn't have my sermon and I had to send my wife in the middle of the worship service over to our parsonage to pick up an extra copy that was sitting on my desk. So I've always now made sure I keep extra copies around the church. My Bible. From time to time I've lost my Bible. I know that because this morning I lost my Bible and I went looking for it. It wasn't going to be in my bag, but I ended up putting it in my bag because I lost it today. And I found that I had put it over in my office, and finally having found it, I tossed it in my bag and said, yep, that is one of the things that I lose from time to time. I also sometimes lose, I'm sure none of you do this, I lose my mask. I'll drive over to Starbucks to go and go inside to get my coffee, and I'll realize that I don't have my mask, and I have to turn around, drive home, and go get my mask because I have lost it. Sometimes I lose my sunscreen. Now, if you're bald like me, you certainly need sunscreen. And so it's important to me. I've gotten so bad in losing my sunscreen, I think I have three different bottles of sunscreen just to try to make sure I have some around. And the last thing that I brought this morning in my bag is, I don't know if you can see it at home, I put it in a baggie so I don't lose it again. It's a little tiny tambourine. What it is, it's a keychain that was my grandmother's. It was given to me when I was a child, And I've always had it with me, except for the times when I lose it. So in middle school, I remember losing it. In high school, I lost it. When I got to college, I lost it. One time early in my marriage, I lost it. And a few years ago, I lost it again and only recently found it. And it's a special thing because my grandmother used it many, many years ago. And it's something that was handed down to me. And it's special and it's important. And when I lose it, I get very frustrated. Now... The reason I say that is because this morning our theme or our message is how God deals not with lost things, but with lost people. And I want you to think about in your own life, have you ever been lost? Have you ever been to a place, now you could say, okay, sure, I've been lost because I was driving somewhere and I got lost, that certainly counts, but there's other times that we get lost where we just kind of don't know who we are, we don't know where we are. We question whether we even have a relationship with God. We start thinking, is there really a God? Did Jesus, this stuff about Jesus real? And we just get to that place where we're lost. Now, many of us, before we ever came to faith in Christ, would look back and we'd say at that time we were lost. We did not have a relationship with Jesus. And so that's another form of being lost spiritually. We may also know others who are lost. You may have somebody in your life right now, maybe a family member, it may be a friend, who's making decisions that you just think about it and you say, I just wish this person would give their life to Christ and let God do the work in their life. It would make such a huge difference. Not only is it an eternal decision, but even in their day-to-day living, it would be such an improvement for them if they just could accept that grace and forgiveness and turn their problems, their concerns, the things that bother them, over to Jesus and literally, actually, honestly, 100% believe that he would be taking care of them. So they're lost, and we care about them, and we pray for them. In Luke chapter 15, the entire chapter is Jesus telling stories about lost things. Now, there's certain chapters in the Bible that are like that, that they have a particular theme. If you turn to Matthew 13, it's the great parable chapter, and you'll find there's a bunch of parables there, a lot of them that you know. Luke 15 is a chapter that you should know. Because three different times, Jesus tells a story about something that's lost. And I'd like to set the stage for why Jesus tells this story as I read verses 1 and 2, where we are told, and I read, now the tax collectors and sinners. Now, if you have my translation, sinners is actually in quotation marks, so think of it this way. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners. That's you and me. That's all of us. Everybody who does anything wrong in our life. We're all gathered around Jesus to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, huh, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. To which we would say, well, of course he does. That's who Jesus is. Of course he welcomes people who are lost. Of course he welcomes the tax collectors who were hated in the first century because they had been co-opted by the Roman government to work with the Roman government and even though they were Jewish people and they were in an occupied country they were making money off of the Roman government all the while their friends and neighbors were really frustrated who who these people were because they'd made such compromises in their life and many of the tax collectors were also very corrupt sinners all who were making poor decisions in their life people who were in a bad place who didn't feel like they were in good standing with the religious leaders of the first century All of those who, those Pharisees and teachers of the law and and scribes and people who are all the religious people would have had at that point a tendency to look at and say, I can't believe how that person is living their life. And that's who Jesus tells these parables to. It makes me think about today, an awful lot of times when we look at the world and we look at how people live, we unfortunately as Christians start becoming judgmental. We become like these Pharisees and these teachers of the law we start putting down people and start looking at them and saying, can you believe that what they believe? Can you believe what that person is doing? Can you believe what that group of people, how they're acting? And Jesus doesn't tell this story so that we condemn others. He does it for the opposite reason. So we would realize that if you have somebody in your life or you're seeing something in your society that makes you uncomfortable because you go, I don't like how those people are living or how that person is living or the choice that somebody else is making or what somebody else is believing, rather than being judgmental towards that person, realize that God is pursuing that person. And we have the privilege of being part of the solution in their life. That's an exciting thing. We have the opportunity to let God work through us as he reaches out to people. And it's amazing the transformation and change that takes place in people's lives. I've seen it happen at all different times in people's life. Sometimes I've seen people into their 80s who, for the first time, have come to faith in Christ and have literally experienced forgiveness and their life completely changed and turned around, and all the while, throughout their whole life, when they had felt like they were lost and they had no relationship with God, when they were making decisions that later they say, I wish I wouldn't have made that decision or that choice, God was still pursuing them the whole time, and that's what this morning's message is about. It's not about condemning others or condemning ourselves when we get ourselves into the wrong place, but it's about realizing that God loves us and God is pursuing us. And so as those Pharisees and those teachers of the law were kind of being snarky at how could Jesus be welcoming these people, Jesus turns around and tells them three stories, just like Jesus, isn't it? Now, the question came to me, why did he tell three stories instead of one? Why didn't he just tell it one time? Maybe Jesus was like me. Sometimes I talk and people say, yes, Pastor Stan, I get the point, but I still want to tell it one more time. And they're like, yeah, we get it, okay. But I just kind of keep saying the same thing over and over. I don't really think that's why Jesus did it. I think there's something different in each of the ones that are lost that help us understand how God pursues people when they're lost in their life, including ourselves. Because the first story that he tells is about sheep. And what we learn from it is that we wander off like sheep. We're sort of like the animals that Jesus describes beginning in our text in verse 4. When Jesus says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. Do you not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the last sheep until you find it? Now, one time I had a woman in our church who came to me and she said, you know, Pastor Stan, I don't really like being called a sheep. I said, what do you mean? She said, oh, well, I struggle with the fact that Jesus always is talking about us as being sheep. And I said, really, why do you struggle with that idea? And she said, because sheep are dumb. And I looked right at her and I said, well, I'm dumb. I said, we are dumb. We make bad decisions. We go, how in the world did I do that? How did I get myself into this mess. How did I do that again? Why am I back here? I thought I'd completely solved that issue in my life. And we're like sheep, we wander off. And that's exactly what Jesus talks about here. The sheep wandered off in his story. It's interesting, the Greek word for wander that he uses here is a compound word. It's apo lumai. It means, apo means toward, and lumai means destruction. So wandering is literally, literally going toward destruction. It's going towards that cliff that you're going to fall off of. And times in our lives we have made decisions where if we are not turned around, we literally are going to fall off a cliff times in our life where we have no relationship or if we've had a point in our life where we look back and we said, I had a time where I was not a believer and I didn't trust in Christ. At those times, we were headed towards destruction in our life, towards bad decisions, towards, towards bad things, towards a life without God in our life. And what Jesus is trying to help us understand is when we get distracted, when we forget our core values, When we forget that God is gracious and loving and wants the best for us by living the best life, by having a relationship with him, and we start going towards destruction, we become like sheep. You may know somebody in your life who's that. Or you might see people that are a group of people, and you go, I just don't like what they are doing. This is not going to end up good. I know a guy who is a friend of mine who had been sober for 10 years. And he told me the story one time. He's a Christian, and he's active in his church, and gotten his life together, given his life to Christ. He'd gotten involved with the recovery program, and he was doing really, really well. And one day, he decided to take a cruise, and he was down in the Caribbean on a cruise ship. And it was a beautiful day, and he sat outside, and there was a bar, and he wandered off. He decided it would be okay for him to sit at the bar. So he goes up to the bar, and he sat down, and he ordered himself a Coke. Now, if you know anything about people who are in recovery, that's not a good environment to go to if you're in recovery and you're seeking to live a life of sobriety. And there's nobody around that he know, knew. So the next thing, the bartender came back and said, you want another Coke? And he said, I'll take uh, Odules, a non-alcoholic beer. So he sat there, and he drank his O'Doul's, and... He called the bartender over and he he said, I don't even know why I did the next thing. But I ordered myself a tequila. So the bartender gave him a non-alcoholic beer and a tequila. And he said, then the bartender came back and he said, I'll take another non-alcoholic beer and another tequila. And the bartender looked at him and said, buddy, I don't get it. Why are you drinking non-alcoholic beer and tequila? He goes, you're right. Just give me a Coors and a tequila. And he said the next thing he knew, he woke up in prison said he didn't even know how he got there. But when he went back and he looked at that whole experience, it was all because of that first decision of wandering, of deciding, hey, I'm okay, I can go sit at this bar, when he knew better that in his life that was not a place for him to be. Now, it's not only in addiction that people do that. There are times in our life where we make decisions and we know it's not the right decision and we just start wandering off. And it ends up, as the scripture tells us, if we keep going into destruction. But the good news is the shepherd comes after us. And no matter where we are along that journey, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what's happening in your life, or no matter what you think is going on in your loved one's lives, Jesus is pursuing them. And that's what the text tells us. So those people that maybe you wonder, how can they live like that? Or how can my friend be making these decisions? Well, guess what? God is pursuing that person, and you're part of that pursuit. Your influence and your love and your care and your openness and your willingness to reach out to them and love them unconditionally and accept them and pray for them is all God going after your loved ones who maybe are making wrong decisions. In verse 5, we're then told that the shepherd literally goes out in this lovingly manner and picks up the sheep and puts it over his shoulders and brings it back. And that's an image of what happens in our life when we wander off. If we're honest and we look at the times in our own lives when we've gone in a direction that we shouldn't go and we've made a decision and maybe then another bad decision, they're just so things that we call coincidences and they aren't. They are God incidences of God being there to bring us to our senses and bring us back. The second story that Jesus tells is a story about coins. Now, I understand that in our pandemic, one of the things we are told is we have a coin shortage. So maybe you aren't using as many coins today as you used to, but I think we all understand what a coin is. And in the story, the way Jesus tells us is that who we are gets us into trouble. Just who you and I are, just the nature of who we are makes us so we are prone towards certain kinds of trouble that maybe somebody else isn't, but guess what? They're prone to getting themselves into trouble in ways that we aren't. It's our own uniqueness, and it doesn't mean that God made a mistake in how He made us, but there's just things in every one of our personalities and who we are that makes it so it's easier for us to make certain decisions and get ourselves lost even though somebody else doesn't have the same thing in their life. And so Jesus, the second time, tells another story, and we read about it in verse 8 as he begins. And he says, Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loves one, I'm sorry, and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? The story that Jesus tells this time is about 10 silver coins, and the word here is drachma and it would be sort of like today we would say quarter or silver dollar a drachma was a particular silver coin and hear this carefully it was one day's wage think of getting paid in a small coin about the size of a nickel every day you went to work you get yourself a nickel that's all you get but that was enough that was a large enough amount of money so that you would be able to function and live in society because then you would use it to buy the goods that you needed and now this woman has total 10 days wages that's all of her life savings and she's got it in those 10 coins and the story jesus tells is she loses one of them well there's something unique about a coin or a drachma or a nickel or anything that's round that makes it a little easier to lose have you ever lost a coin i asked that in the first service and a number of people raised their hand Or I use my illustration of my little tambourine. There's something unique about that tambourine that makes it easy for me to lose. It's little. It doesn't make it bad for being little, but it's just easier to lose. If you think of my car, it's a lot harder for me to misplace my car than it is my little tambourine. That's just the nature of what things are. Certain things, just by the nature of what they are, are easier to lose than other things, and that's just how we are. Just like a coin can roll away or get misplaced because it's small, so unique in each one of us is who we are so that we're prone towards certain things that get ourselves wandering away, falling aside, getting lost. It got me thinking of a time when David was a little kid and Regina and David had gone to Kaldor and we were living in Lincoln, Rhode Island at the time, and Regina went in with her checkbook, and they were at the counter, and she wrote out her check, and then the woman behind the counter said, could I see your driver's license? And so Regina pulled out her driver's license, and again, driver's license, there's something unique about it, the size and everything, and she set it down, and the woman took a number off the driver's license. Instead of handing it back to Regina, she set it down on the counter, and David, a little kid, picked up the driver's license, threw it up in the air, and it perfectly spiraled around that there was a little tiny opening where they had put one part of the counter with the other part where the cash register went in, and in amazing fashion, that driver's license slipped right down between that area. Now, had Regina handed the her wallet over, or a checkbook, or a cell phone. None of those would have fallen in there, but there was something unique about the size of that license that it just got lost in that area. Getting the point? In each one of us there are things in our lives that make us uniquely prone and others uniquely prone to getting lost. Maybe you have a mind that never shuts off. You think 24 hours a day, an amazing thing. You can wake up in the middle of the night and you can be thinking. But that very thoughts can get us into trouble because we start letting our mind go into places that other people's minds wouldn't go and we start imagining and thinking things that other people wouldn't think. Or perhaps, maybe you have a predisposition towards certain kinds of behavior or certain struggles in your life. Or maybe you're a person who is a very questing. You just question your skeptic with everything. That's great. That's a good attribute that God gave in your life. You learn to be critical and question everything. But that also gets us prone towards starting to question God and whether there is God and whether the scripture is true and whether Jesus really loves us. So the unique ways in which Jesus works in our life and God created us also makes each one of us and everyone else prone towards getting lost. So sometimes when we see loved ones who are making particular decisions or living particular ways, and we don't understand, we don't understand because we're not in their shoes and we're not them. And everyone has our own challenges and our own things in our life. But here is again the good news. The scripture tells us that just like the woman who pulls out the broom and sweeps every corner and turns on her lamp and looks and looks, God continues to pursue us and continues to pursue our loved ones. And even if it's something unique about ourselves, God is still there providing the opportunity, the way back, and the work in our lives. In 1893, Francis Thompson wrote a poem. It's called The Hound of Heaven. It's an awesome poem. I encourage you to read it, and you're going to find it's not real easy to read because it's Written in some pretty tough English, but the message is incredible. The idea is that God's love in Jesus is like a hound. Think of a hound being on the scent, going after an animal. So, too, God pursues us. That Jesus doesn't give up on any single person. I don't care who it is, I don't care who you know in your life, or what you've done in your life, or what somebody else has done in their life, or how lost someone is. God continues to pursue and pursue with grace and love unconditionally, absolutely, always wanting us and others to know that his forgiveness and his new opportunity is always there. No matter how faithfully we've lived for Christ and we find ourselves making a decision and thinking we blew it, we don't need to live our lives that way. If we choose to understand that God pursues us like this woman who pursues this coin, like this shepherd who goes after the sheep, we start understanding what God's work is and we start seeing our place in helping others And not condemning those who are making wrong choices or getting frustrated with our society when we see things we don't like, but realizing we're part of the solution. If you don't like attitudes and behaviors other people have, how are you building bridges with them and getting to know them and loving them and encouraging them and listening to people and why they have the attitudes and why they've made the choices that they've made? Because it's God's work to go after people, not to condemn them, not to become like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are sitting around pointing fingers, but rather to realize that God pursues and loves and woos and comes after us no matter where we are in our life. And then Jesus tells the third story. A third story uh, about a lost thing, only this one is the prodigal son. It's perhaps the story that we know the best, because it's about this kid who asks for all of his money. He goes to his dad, and I'm going to read verse 12. He says, the young man goes to his father, and father, he says, Give me my share of the estate. Give me everything that's coming to me. So the father divided his property among the boys and gave this kid his entire inheritance. Well, what happens is we play the short game at the wrong time, like the prodigal son. See, he played the short game. He wanted everything now. He didn't look at his life as a whole span of what was going forward. He thought, if I just got everything right now, I can have a great time. And what the Bible tells us, he goes out and he gets the money and he starts having this amazing party and he's got tons of friends and he spends a lot of money and he spends it on all of them and pretty soon he's making decisions he shouldn't make and he's thinking wow i'm the most popular guy around here but all the while he's playing the short game he's not looking at his life from a long perspective on saying i'm going to run out and all of a sudden his scorecards all read zero and all of his friends are gone and he's all by himself and he's lost that's what called playing the short game that's those times in our life when we make the mistake of thinking that somehow, like the younger son, we can ask for our inheritance. Because you see, there are times to play the short game. There's appropriate times, and there's inappropriate times. For instance, if the Bible had told us that He had a girlfriend, and he wanted to take her out on a date that night, and he went to his dad and said, Dad, could I have 50 bucks to take my girlfriend out so we could have a nice dinner? That's probably more money than he was making in a day, and and maybe he couldn't afford to have that lifestyle forever, but that's an okay thing to do in an evening, to have one time where we spend more than one day's worth of our money. Or think of times when we go on vacation. There's not a family that goes on vacation who could sustain that for 365 days a year. There's an appropriate time to spend more than we spend at other times. But when we just take everything and we just blow it all at once, we're playing the short game and it's not sustainable. That's why I don't know a lot about golf, but I do know the difference between a putter, an iron, and a driver, and I know that if you tried to play a golf game, tried to do nine or 18 holes of golf, and you only used your putter, you would not be playing the game right. You'd be constantly just playing the short game, and nobody would play golf with you. But a putter is an important thing to have when you're on the green. Well, the same thing is like the wandering sun, sometimes we make the wrong choices, and we're literally playing the short game. Maybe we're all preoccupied with somebody liking us at that moment, and we give a little bit of our values away. Maybe we're totally preoccupied with not speaking up to something that we're concerned that if I stand up for my values and I explain, you know, I don't believe that. I just need to be honest with what I understand the truth. We're concerned that somebody in that short moment might think less of us, and so we're playing the short game. When we're playing the long game, we don't worry about that. We know it's all going to be okay, and we have to make those decisions at certain times in our lives. It got me thinking back to when I was a college student, and I was a youth pastor, and I was over visiting a family who the girl was in our youth group. She was a freshman in high school, and the parents and I were all together, and we were watching a basketball game, and when the basketball game was over, the father of a kid in our youth group said a very racist comment. And at the moment, I knew that I could keep my mouth shut. I'd be playing the short game, or I could speak up and be honest about what's right and what's wrong and what I believed. And I'm a kid. I'm a college student. And this is an adult in the church. And I have this girl in the youth group. And the short game would have said, say nothing. I couldn't do it. I said, that's offensive, and that's not okay to say. And I didn't really care at that moment if he liked me or cared that I was responding, I couldn't play the short game at that moment in my life. There's been other times in my life where that exact same thing has been played out. I think of one time in particular where a very prominent parishioner in a church made a very similar kind of comment, but I'd already learned not to play the short game in my life. I'd already realized I cannot live is if the only thing that matters is how somebody thinks about me at this moment I need to learn to be true to my convictions so when a very powerful layperson in one of my churches said something similar I also responded and said that's not okay to say that's not appropriate there's lots of ways in which we play the short game maybe we get wooed into making wrong decisions with people because at that moment we're just a little uncomfortable with saying no I don't want to be part of that we talk to young people about that all the time about peer pressure peer pressure is not only for high school students it's for everyone People will do it at work. People will do it in other relationships in our life. And little bit by little bit, when we play that short game, like the prodigal son, spending all of our money and everything at a particular moment, what we start discovering is we give ourselves away and pretty soon we're lost. Anytime we squander our morals, anytime we set aside our values and think it's okay to do, we're acting like the prodigal son and we're wandering off. We're playing the short game in our life. But the amazing thing of the Scripture is that it tells us that God pursues us. God comes after us. God doesn't give up on us. And so we read about the prodigal son that the way that the God worked in this kid's life is eventually he finds himself in such a bad situation that the Bible tells us he's literally living with pigs and doesn't have any money and says, I just need to get up and return. And God providentially had allowed this kid to get to the point where he knew he had to make a choice and make a decision. And that's what God does in your life, in my life, in the life of our loved ones. So this morning's message is simply about getting lost or others that we see that are lost. And what we see as the way in which God works. Because we serve a Savior who unconditionally loves each of us, goes after all of us, cares about each one, no matter who we are and where we are, but also uses us in the lives of others. This afternoon, we're going to be posting a video that we have taken of a young man that many of us um, support. His name is Caleb McCombie, and he works in Pennsylvania with high school students. And I encourage you to watch that video and just to see the ways in which God reaches out through Christians to high school students to help them build a relationship with Jesus. And this morning, as we end I want us to be aware of those times in our life when we're lost to know that God is always bringing us back and when we see others that are in a place where we know they need to change that we start realizing that God's doing work and it is not for us to condemn and to be judgmental but be part of God's process of reaching out with love and unconditional grace and forgiveness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, wherever we are in our life and wherever our loved ones are, And wherever others are that we see, help us to know that you are the one who goes after every single one of us in a loving and caring manner because you care so deeply. You don't want to leave us in those places when we get lost, but you want to bring us back into a proper relationship that we could live our lives and see others live in a dignified and proper relationship with the Savior who loves and forgives us. Help us this week to know how you have pursued us and pursue others. And help us look for where your Holy Spirit is guiding us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.